Let's pray as we come to the Word of God. Heavenly Father, as we open your Word, uh, please be working in each of us by your Spirit, through your Word, in our minds, our hearts, our whole beings, that we may serve the Lord Jesus Christ all our days. Lord, we pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, the end of year is upon us, uh, would you believe? Uh, This is actually our last normal Sunday service for the year. Carol's next week and Christmas Day uh, the week after. And this time of the year is a time of reaching goals and endpoints for the year. It was for a few weeks ago, the high school and uni students wrapping up the exams and the studies. It was over the past week for primary school students and teachers. Uh, Groups are having breakups. Uh, Our Wednesday night community group had our breakup last week. Uh, Thursday night in the past week was our badminton club's annual dinner, so lots of food both nights. Uh, Workers are getting up to their Christmas breaks. Friday night was Angela's work dinner, so another night of food for her. Uh, and she also went up the Story Bridge, which is something I'll never do. Uh, And some workplaces are already slowing down for the year break. And it's a good feeling, isn't it? Reaching the end, getting to the finish line of the year. And as you look back, how was the journey of the year? Maybe for some of you, it was a focused pursuit. Maybe especially over the last few weeks, undivided attention, a single-minded drive just to get to the end. Maybe for others of you, there were a bit of distractions on the way, distractions that you had no control over, distractions that were of your own making and doing, distractions that took you off the path of the journey. Well, as we continue our series in Philippians, we've seen uh, Paul lay out his life mottos over the past few weeks. We've read, to live is Christ, to put on the mind of Christ, uh, to gain Christ. And last week's passage finished off with Paul talking about gaining Christ and looking to the future, looking in verse 11, looking towards glorification being found in Christ on the last day, attaining resurrection from the dead. And as we pick up today's passage, it moves on to how Paul lives today toward that future. How Paul today decides to live in light of that goal, that end of attaining resurrection, of eternal life, of being found in Christ on the last day. There's two parts in today's section. Uh, The first outlines how Paul lives towards that future. And the second part outlines how the Philippians are to live towards that future. So how does Paul live toward that future, being found in Christ on that last day? If you remember last week, if you look back a bit, we saw Paul share his testimony, we see before Christ, we see his conversion experience. Well, Paul, he finishes this story off here by outlining his current life, 
how he lives now. And verse 12 to 16 shows this, that Paul, he presses on towards the goal. He strains forward. He looks ahead. And he fixes his gaze to get to the end. And there's three parts to this. And the first is in verse 12 and 13. If you have your Bibles, have a look. It says this. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. You see, first Paul says that he's not there yet. That future, attaining the resurrection, being found in Christ on the last day and being made perfect and righteous and holy. You see, while it's been won in the saving work of Jesus and while it's been promised to all who trust in Jesus and while it's a sure thing for those who count all things as lost to gain Christ, it's still a reality that hasn't fully been realized yet. It's still something that's to come in the future. And despite what the other false teachers were saying, Paul, he's adamant. He emphasizes by repeating it that he's not there yet. He's not perfect yet. He hasn't attained the resurrection in all its fullness, in all its full reality yet. And it's still a goal, an end point, a reality that he has to look ahead toward, to strive toward, to press on and to make his own. And that's exactly the second part of this point, outlined at the end of verse 12, but repeated and expanded in verse 13 and 14. This action here, Paul, he presses on towards the goal. Have a look at verse 13. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul, he doesn't just go, I accepted Jesus into my life, I've gained Christ, so I can just sit back and wait and relax. He presses on. He presses on to make Christ his own, verse 12. And he repeats it again here in verse 13. Forgetting what is behind. That's the opposite of remembering. And it's talking about his past life, the verse 5 and 6 ways of life, before counting it all as lost to gain Christ. You see, he forgets what's behind, and he strains forward. This is a picture of a runner. He's using every effort to keep going and going and going in the race. It's active, it's continuous, with the prospect of the finish line and prize spurring him on. And here, the finish line is not just the black and white tag, it's the last day, resurrection, being found in Christ on that day of salvation and judgment. Pressing on, this idea is repeated again for the third time. And here, digging into the idea of a goal, not just the finish line, but a prize or reward at the end. And the prospect of gaining the prize, taking hold 
of the reward. And the prize is described like this, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's a bit ambiguous. There's a bit of debate about what exactly is the prize, but all the debates revolve around the same or similar thing. It's about heaven, perfection, heavenly rewards, the prize being Christ himself, God himself being with him in glory, in the new creation. You see, Paul, he's putting himself up as the example of what life in Christ looks like. And it's not sitting back. It's not relaxing. We're not in that state of perfection yet. You see, it's an active, continuous, single-minded, undivided, rigorous pursuing, pressing on, straining every effort towards the goalposts of being found in Christ, attaining resurrection from the dead on the last day. And now that Paul, he's put his example up, uh, he says this way of life isn't just him, it's for all followers of Jesus, which is the final part of this first point. Verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Paul says for those who are mature, not mature in terms of perfect, but those who are godly, who take the gospel seriously, who share Paul's view of life, they will do what Paul's doing. And he's so confident of this living that he says that those who think differently, God, he's going to reveal this active pressing on toward the goal way of life to them also. And Paul ends with a final challenge. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. It's a weird verse, but I think Paul's saying, we haven't attained perfection in all its fullness yet. We haven't attained resurrection in all its fullness yet. So let's be reminded of that. Let's hold true to that and keep pressing on towards the goal. Let's keep going until we actually get there. So our first section, it's all about pressing on towards the goal. This is Paul's example. And this is what Paul wants the Philippians to do. Last year, if you remember, I did a few park runs. That's the five-kilometer circuit on Saturday mornings. And let's be honest, I wouldn't have called my efforts pressing on towards the goal. You see, in the park run, and I did this twice, I'd run the first 500 meters because everyone did that. Then I'd walk. Then I'd jog whenever I felt bad that a senior or mum with a pram was beating me. I'd run hard when I saw the photographer uh, going around the bend. I'd run hard when Angela went in front of me until I couldn't see her anymore. And I'd run the last 50 meters towards the finish line so I'd look good at the end. Pressing on towards the goal. I think it looks like running or jogging as much as possible, 
not just when convenient or when the spotlight is on you, is straining forward at all times towards the goal of the finish line and the reward that awaits. And as followers of Jesus today, God wants us to do likewise, to keep pressing on towards the goal, to keep actively, single-mindedly pursuing the goal of being found in Christ on the last day, of attaining resurrection and new life in glory. So let me ask you this morning, how are you pressing on towards the goal of being found in Christ on the last day? How are you pressing on towards that goal today? Maybe this morning finds you not pressing on. You're walking. You've taken your foot off the gas pedal. You're on cruise control. Maybe you stopped. You're acting maybe like you've already arrived, that you've made it. Well, this morning, consider the goal of gaining Christ on the last day. And hear Paul's challenges in these verses. To forget what lies behind and strain forward towards what lies ahead. To press on toward that goal of new life on that last day. Remembering what Christ has done for you on that cross and moving forward to that day when you'll be saved and you'll have new life for eternity. Maybe this morning finds you pressing on, but you've just been a bit distracted on the way. It's not that you're a standstill, but pressing on toward the goal of new life in Christ is just one of many things that you're busy doing. Instead of being that one thing, that you're straining forward and pressing on toward. But Paul challenges us here that this is the one thing he does. This is his main and sole and undivided focus. Everything else pales in worth and value in comparison to this pressing on toward the goal. Or maybe if this is you, maybe this morning you need to recalibrate to make pressing on toward the goal of new life in Christ not just one thing, but the main thing, the sole and undivided focus, the thing that you strain at and press on toward the most, more than your work, more than your hobbies, more than even the things and people you love the most. We all get lost in the busyness of life. We aren't perfect. We live in a world marred by sin. And it's okay to say, yes, God, I've been at a standstill. Yes, God, I've been distracted. If this is the case, that's the best thing that you can do to acknowledge that to God and to come to him and to ask for his spirit by his word to work in you today. Maybe this morning finds you pressing on, and that's fantastic. That's such an encouragement 
And that's a great example to all the believers around you. And my challenge to you is to keep going. Not to stop, not to say I've done my bit, but to keep pressing on and straining forward, keeping your eyes on the prize. How are you pressing on toward the goal of being found in Christ on that last day? Well, on that question, as we keep moving on, uh, we've already seen Paul's example of pressing ahead, and he's invited the Philippians to do the same. And now he gives the Philippians some practical advice in how to press on. And it's not by pure grit, and it's not by doing it on your own. And Paul, again, as we'll see, he encourages gospel partnerships, people doing it together by urging them to imitate, to look to, and to be challenged by Paul's example and other examples of believers walking in the gospel. Have a look at verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. You see, the doing word, the main word, the exclamation mark in this sentence is imitate. Imitate Paul. Look to his example as Paul presses on and strains forward toward the goal of being found in Christ on the last day. Then he says, keep your eyes on, which is still about that action of imitating. Look to examples who are living in the same gospel-focused way that Paul is. People like Timothy and Epaphroditus from the end of chapter 2. Sometimes it's hard to press on when there's no one around you showing the way, when there's no influence or example that you're looking to when you're doing it on your own. So Paul, he suggests here, as you look to your Bibles, as you let the Spirit of God work in you, also look to those around you. Look to gospel-focused examples to help you press on to the end. And Paul, he's very specific here about who to imitate, who to look to, who to influence you. Because in this world, and even in the church, there are bad examples. Examples who won't help you press ahead to that finish line in glory. And verse 18 moves to this. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. You see, it saddens Paul to say this because he knows of people, people who were once people of Jesus, people who were once in the church, and they're still influencing those in the church who he now labels as enemies of the cross of Christ. And Paul, he emotionally 
describes them. Their end is destruction. You see, these enemies of the cross of Christ, that's the goal and prize ahead for them. Not life and that upward call of Christ, but destruction. These people, their God is their belly. It's an image of an uncontrolled appetite, worldly gluttony. Their glory in their shame, they boasted in shameful things, immoral practices, things that they shouldn't boast about. Their mindset, not on Christ, as chapter 2 urges believers, but on earthly things, things that don't last or matter in eternity. You see, these influences are the opposite, actually, of the false teachers found in the beginning of chapter 3. They are people here who look like followers of Jesus, who once were followers of Jesus, who have relaxed in their living for Jesus. They're not pressing on. They think that they've already made it to perfection. So they're indulging in sin. They focus on worldly pleasures. They say things like, we've been saved by grace, so we can do anything. And this way of life that Paul describes is often called antinomianism. No law, literally. Anything goes. Paul's saying, find gospel-focused examples. Imitate them. Let them spur you on to press on to that finish line on that last day. Don't imitate those who are enemies of the cross. Because in the end, the future of those who follow Jesus to the end, it stands in complete contrast to those who are enemies of Jesus. And that's what verse 20 moves to. And note in these last three verses, as Paul's argument in the letter comes to a close, we see some of the themes that we saw in chapter 1 and 2 repeated again as Paul finishes off. Verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. What do people of the gospel look forward to? Well, in contrast to those with minds set on earthly things, we see the word citizenship pop up again. Remember Paul's argument in chapter 1, verse 27, live as citizens of the gospel of Christ. And here Paul reminds them again, our citizenship, we belong not on earth but in heaven. And we press on, waiting a saviour. He's come already as we celebrate during Christmas. But that saviour, Jesus, he's coming again in glory. And that will mark the end and the goal of our pressing on. And this is what will happen. The Saviour, in the twinkling of an eye, will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. 
a resurrection body, according to the power of the risen Lord Jesus, whom all things are subject to. You see, on that last day, we will be like Jesus. We will attain what Jesus promised his people. And we, followers of Jesus, will be with Jesus forever. And Paul, he rounds off this section with another familiar challenge from the end of chapter 1. Stand firm. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for my joy and crowned, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. You can see that Paul, he loves, he cherishes these Philippian believers. He loves them so much that he wants them to stand firm in Jesus. Because that's what matters in the end. Standing firm for Jesus. Paul, he shows us by example that if we truly love our brothers and sisters in Christ, then the most important thing we want for them is to stand firm for Jesus, to press on, to reach the goal of life with him forever. So as we consider what it means to press on in the gospel this morning, let me ask you, as we come almost to the close, who are your gospel-focused examples? Who are your gospel-focused examples? Who are the people in your life that you look to, that influence you, that spur you on in pressing on to that last day in glory? Who are your gospel-focused examples? Well, I'd like to suggest three steps as we consider this question. First is to find gospel-focused examples. Find them, whether they be family, friends, mentors, potential mentors, people you look up to, people who influence you to live out the gospel day by day, people who call you actively to Christ instead of away from Christ, people who help you to press on single-mindedly towards the goal of eternity with Jesus. I think there are different types of examples to have in your life. Some are examples of a personal nature, one that you walk closely with. They might be a close friend, a family member, a mentor, an older person, or just another ordinary faithful believer who you meet with regularly to help one another press on. Some examples are more general in nature, ones you walk with in a general manner, people in the church, people in the local Christian community, people who you might brush shoulders with every now and again. Or you see, and as Paul puts it, you keep an eye on people who you are challenged by to imitate as they press on 
toward the finish line for Jesus. But then other examples are ones you see from a distance, influences and examples that you might not know personally, but people who you read or you listen to, and they cause you to press on. Or even people from history whose faith in Christ you look up to. For me, I'm grateful to have in a personal nature two mentors who are older people that I meet up with. I've had a mentor in the past who met up with me almost every fortnight for almost 12 years during high school and uni. And I'm grateful to have a close friend who causes me day by day, week by week, to keep pressing on for the gospel. For me, in a general way, people within this church who really encouraged me and challenged me to live for Jesus. And then there's people I see here and there over a coffee or at some events who challenged me to strain ahead towards the finish line. And for me, again, in a distant and far way, I've been influenced by the writings of John Stott, podcasts from Pastor Mark Dever in Washington, D.C., articles from websites like the Gospel Coalition. All of these helped me refocus and press on with the gospel. Well, who are they for you? The first step is to find gospel-focused examples. Second step, don't just find them. Imitate them as they live out the gospel. Keep your eye on them as you walk with Jesus, as you soak yourself in his word, as you allow his spirit to grow you more like Christ. Let these gospel-focused examples cause you to live for him. And that means be active, just like that runner image in chapter 3 in letting their example influence you, to let them challenge you and spur you on, whether that, that be through regular disciplines of meeting up or catching up over the phone and prioritizing of being with believers regularly and having spiritual conversations with other Christians, or maybe that's the discipline of reading or listening regularly to those gospel-focused examples. Don't just find them. Imitate them and be active. And the third step, which may be a harder step for some, is to get rid of examples that lead you away from the gospel. It's sad to say, it's sad for Paul to say, but there's a lot of bad examples today. Whether they be believers who've gone astray and are trying to influence you, or outright wolves in sheep's clothing, both in our local sphere and also in our more distanced influences too. And Paul, even amidst tears, he labels them as they are. He says they are enemies of the cross. They're the obvious ones, but more often than not, the dangerous ones are the wolves in sheep's clothes. 
They're nice people. They say nice things. But in the end, they offer a different gospel to salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. And they don't count all things as loss to gain Christ and be found in him. Well, how do we spot these bad examples? Well, Paul really hones into this false teaching that we see so much of today. Antinomianism. No law, anything goes. And they often include some or all of these ideas. We're saved by grace, so anything goes. We've already arrived at perfection and that victorious life. God is all about you achieving your dreams and your purpose in life. This false teaching often downplays scripture, sin, judgment, and suffering. And while they may talk about Jesus, he's not central. He's a side point. It becomes more about me than Jesus. And these bad examples are rife. They're everywhere. They're on TV. They're in Kurong. They're in churches. They're in Queensland Baptist churches. There's bad examples that have an influence in our church too. And you might ask, why be so cutthroat? Well, Paul, he calls them enemies of the cross. Simply put, they take people away from Jesus. So we should call these teachings and these influences and these examples as they are enemies of the cross. And if they're enemies of the cross, we should be wise and careful not to let these examples lead people and to lead you away from the gospel. So who are your gospel-focused examples? Find them. Imitate them. And get rid of bad examples. And we all need gospel-focused examples, old and young, new believers and mature believers, men and women. Who are your gospel-focused examples? Well, as we finish off this morning, God's word calls us to press on, to strain ahead toward the goal, to be active, striving, single-minded toward the goal and prize of being found in Christ on that last day in glory. And Paul, he challenges us to imitate gospel-focused examples, to look to and to be challenged by fellow believers living faithfully and courageously for Jesus people who are likewise pressing on toward that goal of eternity with Christ. Well, let's pray as we consider how we respond to
to his word today. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we've been reminded yet again that our citizenship is in heaven with Jesus in glory. Help us as we live in this world that will one day come to pass to keep pressing on in living for Jesus, to live out Jesus as Lord and Saviour all our days, to be active and single-minded in this pursuit. Lord, help us to find faithful and gospel-focused examples who will help us to press on to the last day. Please forgive us, Lord, for the times when we forget to press on, for the times that we get distracted by other things. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we imitate bad examples or when we don't imitate or partner with others at all in the act of pressing on to the last day. Father God, give us courage to stand firm so that we may be found living for Jesus on that glorious day when Jesus comes again. In his name we pray. Amen.